0: This week on the Saber.com podcast, a look back at the Virginia football spring game, a look ahead at the Virginia basketball roster with the latest edition there, and an NFL draft rant.
1: Let's go. The online source for the serious Wahoo fan, the Saber.com. Time again for the Saber.com podcast. Jeff Sweptman, your host, joined by editor Chris Wright and uh, Chris Horn from the Saber.com as well. Your experts when it comes to the who's. I'm merely. An average fan and the uh, the conduit for the <laughs> Q and I don't know what I am. I'm the I'm the guy. I'm the old man who tells you to get off his lawn at the end of the uh, show. We do, We'll do another Durant soliloquy thing uh, based on some draft thoughts, post NFL draft thoughts, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. We'll talk some uh, who's hoops, but first, the spring game just happened don't call it a game game who's in action on the uh, football field good to see that good to see fans in the stands and Chris Wright you were there on the scene what were your thoughts uh being there in person it's really hard to see names
0: on white jerseys (laughs) now in previous springs there were no numbers and no names but I was able to be field level with a camera so I could often see the helmet tape this time we, we were required to be up in the press box or taking pictures from the stand. So I was in the press box and you could see the white lettering on the blue jerseys, no problem. But the lettering on the white jerseys, the defense, major problem. Okay. <laughs> right. Really hard to tell who is who, unless you're kind of familiar with how certain guys look or move, or you figure a guy out briefly or whatever. So that was my first takeaway is, We need some kind of other lettering on the the spring football defensive jersey. (laughs) When there's no numbers, right? No numbers, right. Yeah, so, yeah, spring is always tricky for that reason. But with, with that said, like, I think probably my biggest takeaway is that maybe the loss of Lavelle Davis is coverable. In other words, they have other weapons that can not you know completely replace that you don't replace six seven with speed and hands and all those sort of things but at least maybe soften that blow a little bit that there are a lot of of options on that and that was one of the kind of main questions I had going into the spring is, or that Chris had going into the spring last week was who are the receivers other than Billy Kemp so what, what does tight end Jelani Woods look like what does Dontavian Wicks look like what does Keaton Thompson look like and on down the line so I, I thought there were some encouraging signs from that standpoint from Saturday's game. And and in particular, Dontavian Wicks and Keeton Thompson. So I'm writing a little bit about Wicks for the site and, and Thompson eventually, but I'll start with Thompson. I'll let Chris talk about Wicks a little bit, but Thompson, like to me, looked like a much improved receiver. Like he's a great football player. He's a great gadget guy. He can run with the football. And we saw a little bit of that Saturday too, but he was improved route running wise. You know what I mean? He just, he looked crisper. His timing was better. It was catching cleaner. It wasn't all these high, just go jump and get it types. It was turn catch and then turn away from the guy. And they were basically playing two hand touch. There was no tackling to the ground. You know, a lot of those catches where he turned and got two hand touched would have been another six, eight, nine yards in a a regular game because he was turning the correct way away from a defender for yards after the catch. So that part is the most interesting to me. If Keaton Thompson can be more than a gadget guy, in other words, more than the guy you motion in to run with the ball, or more than a trick play guy, that kind of changes the whole look of the receiving core to me. And then Dontavian Wicks looked really good. And that's not surprising. We were kind of expecting that he could have had a breakout year last year, but I think it's good to see him getting on track this early. So I, I know Wicks was on Chris's radar going into last year altogether. So it's not a surprising name.
2: Yeah, he's got I me mean, last year. Um, I think. Coach Na said basically the only thing that he was lacking was being in that limelight and having that opportunity to catch a lot of passes and and really have a, have a breakout year. Unfortunately, the injury prevented that from last year, but it seems like he's kind of picking up where he left off uh, coming back from the injury. I think he said he was cleared to play in February. So it's good that, you know, he seems to be back to hundred percent, you know, maybe the way he looked uh, before the injury, which is great news uh, with Lavell Davis's injury. And again, it's unfortunate that those guys won't be on the field at the same time. Cause I think that would make UVA's offense uh, even better, which is, uh, which, which is, you know, I think they have the potential right now to be pretty impressive. So, but yeah, Wicks, uh, you know, shined in the spring game. Again, I always wonder, is it the, uh, you know, the receivers, are they that good? Or is it the defensive backs that haven't been as good that are still not as good? So <laughs> I try not to get too excited though, that I think you can see the physical potential. And again, I think it's just a matter of him getting the game live game experience as a, as kind of the go-to guy. And, like, uh, with with Keaton Thompson, if he can emerge as a receiver and, – and for Thompson, kind of going off on a tangent a little bit, you know, looking ahead to his NFL prospects, I think becoming yeah, – I think it's good that he can do a, a number of things, but I think he's going to have to be kind of one – like, there's going to have to be one aspect of his game that he's got to be – like, he's got to be a receiver, but maybe he can do some other things too, but maybe – so I think if he can develop his receivers, I think that as a receiver – That's going to help Virginia kind of fill that void uh, left by Lavelle Davis, but also is going to maybe help him as far as his NFL draft prospects. But yeah, again, but Dontavian Wicks is definitely a a guy to be excited about. And I think going back to what Coach Nay said, it's just a matter of uh, when he's given that opportunity to perform and he's kind of one of the go-to guys, you know, how is he going to look in game action next fall?
0: Defensive backs thing. Is concerning, right? Like, Dontavian Wicks, for example, had a double move touchdown during the spring controlled scrimmage or whatever. Well, double moves gave the corners trouble all of last season. So, you know, you pick out a moment like that and it's like, ooh, that's concerning. And there were other downfield passes that either connected or were very co- close to connecting during the game. And you're going, well, that was the biggest issue from a year ago. With that said, it was very vanilla defense. They weren't blitzing, they weren't disguising too much, I don't think. They were rotating. I think Coach Mendenhall said kind of the top four defensive linemen, they didn't give as many reps. So, you know, backup defensive linemen, getting more reps, that sort of thing. Rayshawn Henry didn't play at all in the 11-on-11. Billy Kemp and Jelani Woods were limited during 11-on-11. So it wasn't good on good the whole time. So it's a little bit tricky to make sweeping conclusions. Because I did think there were parts of the corner play and secondary play that looked pretty good. They broke up some some short passes. They drove on some short passes and tackled immediately or two-hand touched immediately. All of that, I thought, was decent. So th- there were some some signs of good and some signs of bad. And I don't think we're really going to know with the secondary until we get probably to game two, three, four on the schedule.
1: There were a couple of picks, too, right? Which is another thing. It's like, is that good defense? Or was do you not like to see picks from the quarterbacks this early, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: that, that was during seven-on-seven. One was a bad throw at the goal line that I'm pretty sure it was Brennan Armstrong that threw it. Just just I think I personally thought it was the wrong read or just a bad location of the throw, one or the other. But basically the the defensive bat just cut under the route and took it away. The other interception, I'm not sure which quarterback threw it, to be honest. And this is again a, a spring game issue, but it was not Armstrong, I don't think. It was it was someone else. But it was just a throw to the flat that should have been an easy read and a safe throw, which makes me think didn't even see the defender in the flat. There was no reason to throw it it was pretty it was pretty obvious like you're supposed to look at that guy and if he's there you don't throw it so that one I think is an easily correctable one uh, on film so that one doesn't worry you too much
1: any other um, how does the day go overall maybe for folks who weren't able to attend I know some schools have their games on like that on on tv this one I don't think was and like you said, it would be a nightmare to try and call on the radio if, if Dave Kane had that opportunity, if he can't even tell who's who. But I know Bronco said, made some short remarks, it sounded like at the beginning and, and got the crowd fired up. Sounded like overall the guys were definitely, you know, psyched to see that many fans in the stands. So. I mean, just a generic
0: practice is what is really the format. So they're doing position group stuff at times. They're doing some brief special team stuff at times. They do seven on seven. So the lineman types and the running back types are working down like goal line stuff while seven on seven basically plays 30 yards to the end zone the other way. So the other 70 yards, 11 on 11 after that is more controlled scrimmage situation. So yeah, I mean, that's the basic format and they would kick at the end of certain segments of the seven on seven, 11 on 11, but with no pass rush, no anything like that, just alternating hash marks. So you'd have one guy kick on this hash mark, one guy kick on this hash mark, and they would just alternate. They made them all except for one, I think. I know one hit the upright, but I think they made all the other kicks. So that's the gener- g- generic format of a Virginia practice anyway. They have a lot of control at 11 on 11, pretty much in every practice. That's something that that Coach Mendenhall has really emphasized. He thinks this program needs to play more football. And that was kind of what he said at the
2: beginning, and he's kind of stuck to that.
1: Yeah, what do you think of this format kind of ha- as it's evolved over the years, uh chris orne
2: yeah i mean it's just kind of a inside look you know i think again i think the benefit for me is kind of getting to see guys who we haven't seen a lot of if you can identify them (laughs) going back to uh what chris said to to open i think that that seems to be a rectifiable situation like pretty clear cut that we will fans i think want to see names and kind of figure out you know know who's Who's doing what out there? So hopefully they can get that rectified next year. But yeah, so th- that's that's what, what I get out of it and seeing guys like you know Dontavian Wicks, guys who are kind of on the the next wave, I guess, of guys. Um, that's that's kind of the benefit for me. I think one thing that we had talked about that didn't happen was seeing a lot of the backup quarterbacks. I guess in terms of in action, it sounds like Armstrong uh, received a, a lot of the snaps. So that kind of you know that's still a question. I think obviously the backup quarterback heading into next season obviously the offense has a lot of potential with Armstrong at at the helm but if he's out what does virginia go from here i don't know chris did you see any i, I know jacob rodriguez some people were saying that he looked pretty impressive in some of the drills just his passing ability uh but again he's a true freshman even though he's got he's going to have the spring and you know with ira armstead coming back from an injury passings an area that he needs to improve upon as well so uh, it'll be interesting that that backup quarterback still a kind of a big looming question heading into the, the summer.
0: Yeah, Brennan Armstrong took 100 percent of the 11 on 11 snaps, all That's of them, lot. right? So <laughs> the, uh, the Armstead not fully cleared for 11 on 11 contact Saturday. Rodriguez set out 11 on 11 with a mild hamstring deal, so they didn't have him in live 11 on 11 action. So basically, Coach Mendenhall said the backup quarterback question remains up in the air there, there is no decisive thing coming out of spring with what they would do with that, including involving Jay Wolfolk later. And here's exactly what he said.
3: So Jacob and Ira, I would list side by side coming into the fall. And while Ira has been here longer, uh, Jacob took way more reps. this spring was healthy her, and, uh, probably is farther along in the mastery of the offensive content. And, uh, that is to his credit. So Ira and Jacob um, have going into um, the fall, and then Jay Wolfolk arrives as well. And both Ira and Jacob, uh, they they both were injured. And man, playing quarterback, that's you have to be a durable player. I mean, Brennan took five gazillion reps, and and he was struggling at the end with arm and his and different uh, body injuries and. And so we're anxious for Jay to come as well. And so I'd put him right side by side with the other two. We need a productive, durable player um, that can step in and be the number two. And so I'm really not willing to name it yet because it's too close to call.
0: So, I mean, there he very clearly says right there, this is an open competition going into preseason in the fall between all three guys, Rodriguez, Armstead, and Wolfolk. And I guess you could assume that maybe Keaton Thompson is in there if it's a short-term issue versus a long-term issue if it were to come up so yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens with with, with the quarterback position
2: yeah short term I, I would think I mean Thompson kind of comes to mind as kind of the logical choice unless some of those guys unless either Armstead or Rodriguez really uh make a make a big impression because you know uh Keaton has that experience for Mississippi State and as you mentioned it had to be short term given his unless he's able to get fully healthy from that uh torn labor injury but he if it's short-term to me he's kind of the logical choice of what where, where they go uh, at this point anyway but we'll have to we'll have to see for the summer and how that goes and then uh, yeah as you mentioned uh, yeah it sounds like Rodriguez has has kind of impressed a little bit uh, running and throwing um, you know armstead still kind of maybe developing the throwing part and then we'll see what what UVA gets from Jay Wolfolk out of Benedictine who's coming in he's going to be an interesting scenario a, a guy who's going to play two sports so football and baseball so I'm anxious to see how Um, how that how you know they're gonna manage him and how that's gonna be handled. Especially in this day, you don't see that I don't think too often, guys playing both sports, especially with, with quarter at the quarterback position. So that'll be interesting.
1: Well it does seem like the purpose of this particular game is to get the fan base fired up somewhat. Is it a situation a little bit like kind of the midnight madness or whatever that at one point a lot of teams didn't do and then once one or two schools started doing it then everybody does it in college basketball. Do, do you look around and see maybe what other teams are doing and their, what their format is? And, you know, obviously you're limited with what you could do with fan, fans this particular year, but some thoughts on that from you guys uh, since you have kind of that historical perspective. And it's always – I mean, football is just such a, a recruiting game in so many ways, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a two-pronged question.
0: Coaches tend to lean – or at least Virginia's coaches tend to lean toward – practice rep side controlled in front of people, right? Like what, what we show or don't show the, the, the coach is very much lean in that direction. They also have to think of the marketing side and the PR team and the promotional team and the ticket sales team. And all of them are very much on that side of the the ledger with coaches. Like, Hey, we need this as a promotional opportunity. We need this for fans to feel connected to it. Kind of the balance at Virginia with that is okay, we'll have a spring game, but it may be a controlled scrimmage, not an actual game of orange versus blue and a regular score or anything. They didn't even keep score it's Saturday, right? It was just practice. <laughs> the blue-white scrimmage that Tony, Bennett, that Tony Bennett does, it's not Midnight Madness. They're not playing at midnight. It's right a controlled, real basic, you know, five-on-five sort of run-our-basic-stuff scrimmage. Again, used generally as another practice, controlled in front of people versus a full all out practice. So there is a delicate balance there. I think some fans would say Virginia airs too much on the side of caution, I guess, like don't want to show much, don't want, you know, don't want to expose much. We just want to use this as a general practice. So, in terms of fans latching onto it and, and excitement and drum up recruiting and all that kind of stuff, I think a lot of fans would be like, eh, Virginia could do better with that.
2: Yeah, I think the uh, it was it was kind of neat to see some of some of the teams do it on the ACC network uh, this spring, and so I can see you know, that being you know kind of a cool thing to do. But I can, uh, you know, looking at the other side too, you kind of want maybe fans to be in attendance. So I could see less fans if it's going to be on the ACC network. That you know maybe uh, I was not going to drive to Charles Park and watch it on TV, and maybe that uh, you know that's not necessarily what you want. Um, but yeah, it's still still a cool aspect. So we'll see how they deal with that in the uh, years to come. But uh, again, I think it was just you know just good to you know get out and have fans in the stands, and I think that was good for everybody. I think uh, good for yeah the team to be around that and and the fans kind of to, to to get get more interested and spark their interest as well.
0: My understanding is that the coaches did not want it to be on ESPN three ACC network or whatever. Otherwise, I think Virginia could have had that just like Pitt or BC or any of the others that have been on there. Um, I think that was a Virginia program choice, is, is my understanding.
1: Well, and some news even after the um, spring game, guys, about an, an additional grad transfer, the punter from Florida mm-hmm. announcing on Instagram that he's going to join uh, the Hoos for his final collegiate season. So big time program there, guys, one of the probably top 10 this past year, so that. That's good news. Have you guys heard anything about him or uh, was that a new?
2: (laughs) Well, punter is definitely a position that is open. I mean, when Nash Griffin kind of handled the duties each of the past two seasons. So you guys has a few guys or in in the pipeline on the roster to compete for it. But you bring in a guy like uh, Jacob Finn out of Florida. He's going to be like a six-year senior. So his first four years at Florida, he walked on. um, He didn't play much. Uh, but he got an opportunity this past fall and took advantage of it. Uh, seemed to punt uh, pretty well averaged, I believe like 46 yards per punt. At one of his best games came against LSU, so obviously, you know stepping up against and, and playing against really great competition in the SEC. Uh, he had a sixty seven yard punt against uh, the Tigers in that game. So yeah, uh, just uh, you know again with I think that certainly speaks to that UVA wasn't necessarily happy with what they've seen at the punter position and still had a question. So it was, you know, kind of bringing in that and kind of also with you know, Josh Hayes coming from North Dakota state um, adding to that defensive back cornerback mix tells you that I think Virginia is not the coaches aren't a hundred percent sold of what they have right now. They want to keep adding, adding to that, to, to hopefully rectify the situation.
0: Yeah, Brent, Brendan Farrell is actually the only punter listed on the roster for the spring. So it could be a combination of maybe he needs to be more consistent or whatever, you know, but they also love competition and you have to have a insurance plan. You can't have just one punter. So I'm sure they've got recruited walk-ons and maybe even preferred walk-ons and whatever coming in the fall. But if you are going through the spring and you only have one punter, you're going, eh, let's get an insurance policy in here. If, we can find one that fits really well. Well, I think the, the Florida punt team was top 10 in net punting allowed last year in terms of yards allowed. So certainly the punter contributes to that coverage obviously has a lot to do with that too. But um, I think if you get a chance to increase the competition, you roll with that. And I think that's true of, of Hayes too. And that was something interesting that, that came up, you know, you got different guys all slotted at corner now. So a position that, Uh, Had some depth issues in terms of health and who's available this spring, to the point that Paris Jones, a running back, was playing corner this spring. But if everyone's healthy going into the fall, it's suddenly a possession, uh, excuse me, a position that's really crowded. (laughs) Suddenly, you get Nick Grant, Darius Bratton, Anthony Johnson, the the Louisville transfer, and then Hayes, the, the the latest transfer to announce that he's coming. So that's four guys at corner that are all experienced. This is not four random guys. These are all four guys that have been in in college football games and a lot of college football games pretty much across the board with all four of them. So what does that mean? So somebody asked coach Mendenhall, if they, if could one of them move to safety or play something different. And he said, listen, the way modern football is with RPOs and this, that, and the other is that you have a whole lot of cover and tackle responsibilities, no matter which defensive back position you're playing. Yes. Corners play cover all the time and safeties don't, but with the way everything is, you need, defensive backs whichever label you want to put on them c or s right uh they have to be able to to cover and tackle so there may be scenarios he said where hey if if we need to put four corners and one safety out there that's fine if we need to put four safeties in one corner out there that's fine we're not looking at it that way as much as who are our best five defensive backs that can play because you know they do like to go two four five or three three five which we saw a lot on saturday um, based on personnel groupings and whatever but they do like to have five defensive backs out there so you know how they mix and match those corners is going to be interesting
2: well chris to give you credit from for from uh, last week's pat podcast you mentioned that when we were talking about the linebackers that people are fixated on three four and having the four linebackers but doing that three three five um I, you mentioned we saw a lot of it so do you think that may be the direction we're headed towards uh you know next fall
0: yeah that's been my gut instinct for a couple of weeks now that They'll show some 3-4, they'll show some 2-4-5, and I'm wondering if 3-3-5 three, three, becomes sort of the the, the the major component of this particular year. And, and who knows, maybe it's 2-3-6. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, they, they've done some crazy stuff at times, including one down lineman at times. We've seen that quite a bit the last two years where one guy will have his hand on the ground and then 10 other people will be standing up walking around. So, yeah, I try not to get too fixated on positions because they seem to just figure out which 11 they think are best for a scenario or for a game and then mix and match those 11 in all kinds of combinations. <laughs> Linebacker with a hand down, defensive end with a hand up, <laughs> a safety playing slot. I mean, yeah, it's all over the place.
1: Well, and when you've got teams like Clemson and North Carolina that you're you know, looking at in your own league, right, that are just flinging the ball all over the place, that that's probably the smart way to go right you can't I feel bad almost for these these pass rushers these days because the quarterback's getting the ball out so fast like how do you even have a chance you're better off just getting your hands up right rather than even you don't have time to rush the quarterback anymore but that's my old man (laughs) that's the old man coming out again right
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's I mean well that's true though I mean that's that's a good point I think uh, it sounds like, it, you know, Virginia does have some versatility in the defensive backfield. Obviously, pass coverage, pass defense is the biggest concern. But, like, Anthony Johnson transferring from Louisville has got pretty good size, also showed some physicality. So, he could be a guy who, you know, is versatile enough to, you know, whether it's, you know, true corner or kind of moving it, moving him around a little bit. You know, Josh Hayes coming in smaller like I think uh, smaller than say like a Johnson so he's, he's like in the 511 range but you know good cover guy not afraid to come up and be physical and UVA has had a lot of success with those you know physical type of like Juan Thornhill uh, Bryce Hall so yeah so I think UVA's got guys who can do a lot of versatile things you know obviously the big the big concern is the the pass defense coming into to next year hopefully they can get some some more consistent uh, better coverage, guys, uh, or better play as far as coverage heading into next year, and having all those guys, those experienced guys, competing, that can only help the situation. That's only because those guys obviously they want to be on the field and they want to you know be showing their stuff with you know obviously their their college time winding down. So that's going to make make it a very competitive defensive back room uh, next season.
0: Coach Howell did say prior to the spring game that one major focus, since you mentioned pass rush, yeah is the ability to rush one-on-one, right? So they don't have, if they can get more pressure from the defensive linemen or even the outside linebackers, if you're counting that as as a regular rush versus a blitz, they don't have to blitz as much. So maybe they don't send corners or safeties or that linebacker twist blitz that they like so much uh, from the middle linebackers. If the guys up front can get pressure better on their own. So they really focused a lot this spring on -on one-on-one pass rush moves, right? Getting better at those things. So, I mean, they're thinking the same thing you are, Jeff. Teams get it out fast. They throw it all over the field. There are only two ways to combat that, cover better, tackle better, or keep the ball from ever getting there. (laughs) So that's pass rush, which includes hands up and batting the ball down.
1: Yeah, I think I might have said defensive back earlier. I meant defensive end, obviously. But anyway, any thoughts, guys? Did you pay attention to the NFL draft? Or um, is it just sort of one of those things that you just wait and see where the, the chips fall and kind of go from there?
0: I don't watch it at all, personally. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought that was the
1: case with you. Yeah, yeah. Chris Horn, were you uh, waiting with bated breath there in those later rounds for some who's <laughs> to be called or not? Not so much.
2: <laughs> um, You know, I, I, I wasn't. I mean, I think, you know, tra- obviously, Charles Snowden was kind of the guy that I think a lot of people thought we we're going to get what well, was going to get drafted. And Tony Poljan, we had discussed as well. I, but at the same time, I wasn't too, you know, obviously, uh, with, with Charles, he got injured, unfortunately but he's also kind of a little bit you know uh, 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 it's going to be interesting to see how they use cuz can he get big enough to be strong and physical enough that, that he needs to be on the next level and you know you know he started the way he started off his final season you know he wasn't very you know he had a slow start he was kind of sluggish and then he turned it on and then he got injured so there was kind of a mixed bag as far as his mm-hmm. senior season that being said he's a unique uh, physical athletic specimen so it's going to be interesting to see um, how he does and uh, at Chicago and you know certainly he's going to give it a hundred percent and so but I wasn't super surprised that he he didn't get drafted and but you know Paul Jan is he seems like a pretty uh, a guy who can will be able to I think ultimately stick uh, in the NFL you know big guy can catch um, but yeah it, it will be interesting I was going to ask you guys what you what you thought about like looking at today's team at UVA are there any guys that kind of jump out as hey future NFL draft picks. I do think that is important as far as recruiting. You want to I think it's good to show that you can get guys to the next, uh, next level.
1: And Mr. Horn, that's exactly the uh, topic of my end rant. A little uh, soliloquy, if you will. Now I can't say it either, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) It's coming up for the uh, final segment of the podcast here, but uh, we got some basketball to talk about uh, in the next segment, but first Chris, Wright, You wanted to piggyback on what uh, Chris was just saying there.
0: Yeah, so nobody drafted from Virginia this year. There was a long streak for a while there, how many years in a row they had someone drafted. And then here lately, it's been a couple couple of different drafts where guys have not been drafted at all. Will that continue? Coach Mindenhall's and staff's recruiting, at least by the rankings, has improved. So you would think that means more talent more talent in theory means perhaps more developed players which could lead to more draftable players right so it's all like this domino thing but you know when i look at the the current roster noah taylor is the first one that jumps out as a very likely or very high probability draft pick next year i think others could get into that conversation as well but he's the number one for me that jumps right out as as a definite possibility, I guess maybe if Mandy Alonzo had a big year, he, he could be in the conversation as as a kind of a hybrid defensive line type for the next level. So th- those are the ones on defense on offense. You're looking at a whole lot of experienced offensive linemen that if they have a real solid year, they could maybe get into the conversation um, as a, as a draft pick. So, you know, it's interesting to think that when coach Mendenhall took over, those were the two positions defensive line and offensive line that, it's like, yeah, there's not a whole lot of depth here. They got to rebuild all that stuff. And now you're looking at the line going, okay, maybe a year from now, somebody from those spots could be draftable. All right. I think that says a lot. The skill guys is where it gets kind of interesting. You know, Thornhill, Bryce Hall drafted. Alameda Zacchaeus, not, but still very, very uh, productive once he got a chance with the Falcons. So it's not the end all be all, right? So, but are there skill guys that work their way into that conversation i don't know if anybody from the skill positions jumps out chris or if it's linemen and linebackers like me
2: yeah i mean i think it, uh, the guys that kind of jump out for me are kind of the younger guys like wicks Lavelle davis if he can come back uh to what what he was and, and build on that but you know those are those are guys still that we haven't not you know davis showed some things last year but like you know for like wicks he's got the physical potential but can't you know now the next step is showing it on the field and being a consistent performer so if he does that I think he's got the size and the speed and kind of same with Lavelle Davis Jr. to ultimately develop into that you know you know you look at running back which is a big position that we we've talked about a lot that I think is going to be very important especially if you know if Armstrong doesn't have a solid backup quarterback do you really want to run him as much next year next season so we've talked a lot about the traditional run game you know i'm not sure i don't think you have at this point you know we'll see some of the younger guys again like mike hollins we'll see how he develops Ahmad faust just came in you know ronnie walker i think uh showed some things but are they necessarily guys that jump out at you that are like wow this these guys are going to be definitive draft picks Uh, i'm not sure as chris mentioned the offensive line uh you know potentially the defensive line and noah taylor certainly is the guy that jumps jumps out you know josh who's coming in from north dakota state is a guy who has been mentioned it was mentioned by his coach an all-conference type of guy so he could be you know one to watch the guy that they brought in so but yeah it'll, it'll be interesting
0: I wasn't thinking the out years as much, so you could throw Nick Jackson in there as well. I think yes. he, he's a guy that has Definitely. definite draft potential in terms of further down the road versus this upcoming 2022 draft. Yes. Jelani Woods, 6'7", yeah. Wood. uh, 263, can run and catch. He did have a seven-on-seven seven touchdown catch Saturday, and you saw it. He gobbles up space pretty quickly. It's not that he's blazing fast, but he's certainly not slow, and he gets on top of you because he's got these huge long strides. As a defender, particularly if you're a smaller defender, he he can be in your space and turning you before you even realize it. So he's certainly someone, I guess, to keep an eye on as well, because I think he's going to get a lot of targets.
1: And And you got to try to bring him down too, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah. And 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 you got to tackle him. Yeah. Yeah. Keaton Thompson's another guy I'll go back to. If he can really refine his skills as a receiver, I think... You know, I think we've seen some of the physical potential that he's got, ability to break big plays with his speed. So he's another guy definitely to watch out for. But, yeah, Noah Taylor kind of, I think, is the guy that stands out. And I think, you know, hopefully he'll be able to – I know he was battling some injury uh, this past season, but hopefully he can come back and uh, really have the dominant year because with his speed – and his length, he's a guy that, you know, should be a disruptor like he was two years, like uh, the season before last year uh, in 2019. So yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to watch, uh, you know, some of these guys uh, develop, but yeah, I think Noah Taylor is a guy that stands out for me as well as the, maybe the top guy uh, next year.
1: Well, and dare I mention his name on a UVA podcast, but a a guy like Logan Thomas, I could see Thompson developing, you know, look at his career drafted as a quarterback by Arizona. And what, four or five years later, he, he's a star breakout star this past year for the Washington football team, 110 targets, and uh, like over 600 yards, six touchdowns in the NFL as a tight end. So pretty wild how some sometimes things can develop like that, too, for guys. So very good, gentlemen, we move right along to the world of hoops next here on the saber.com podcast it's your number one online source as a virginia fan the saber.com all right here we go into the second segment of the saber.com podcast chris wright and chris horn joining yours truly jeff swetman here as we discuss men's basketball a couple of uh items to mention this week guys in terms of the uh the performance center upgrade we can get into that but uh wanted to talk about the new player in the fold not a transfer this time out of the portal but coming from the uh the European portal <laughs> talk about this guy sounds like he's one of the better uh, players from uh, that part of the world who was thinking about playing college ball in the States. So a uh, six, nine guy who sounds like he wants to be uh, more of a point guard type player, but uh, you guys can talk more about, well, let's call him Igor. I like that better than Igor <laughs> for some reason. I don't know. It just, I can hear JPJ raining down chants of Igor, Igor. <laughs> what do you think uh who wants to take it first chris right
2: uh well chris go ahead i'll go i'll go well yeah whenever we mentioned the the portal so is he coming through like thanos (laughs) like in in avengers he just kind of steps through the hole and here i am uh yeah igor uh we'll go with milicic uh junior uh yeah six nine as you mentioned Uh, you know uva kind of needs looking towards the roster for next year definitely needs uh i think a player who can uh add some front court help or at least depth, even with Jaden Gardner coming in as a transfer and then Caden Shedrick and, and Poppy Cafaro and as like centers. And this is, yeah, he's kind of like a, as you mentioned, Jeff's kind of skilled. Uh, he's got some point guard skills. I know uh, uh, Isaiah Wilkins was interviewed by Phony Bennett on his podcast and uh, mentioned, yeah, that he's got that height, but he's got, you know, guard skills. So like legit sounded like pretty solid guard, guard skills. Uh, seems to have a pretty good shot. You know, we don't we haven't seen a whole lot of footage. And as Chris mentioned, you know, going off highlights is not usually a, a great indicator. So it, but it looks like he's got a pretty solid shot. Um, and a guy with pretty good ball handling ability who can perhaps drive to the basket. So a skilled player, he's the son of a coach which so you know that basketball IQ that feel that's always important for coach Bennett's players one thing that i think was kind of notable for me is you know in the in the age of the transfer portal and and uh you know guys taking off early some of the comments that he made uh, just just talking about um you know coming in and working and you know got co- he's confident coach Bennett will find a role for him and it sounds like he knows that he's in for kind of like a long haul type of thing like he that he's making this choice, and he's confident that Coach Bennett will be able to develop him and, and help him get to where he wants to go. So I think that was pretty refreshing that it's not necessarily a guy coming in saying, hey, I'm coming in expect, expecting 20, 25 minutes right, right at the bat. He's coming in, and he's saying the right things as far as that he's, he's ready to work. And, and so I thought that was notable. And I think that's going to be important for Virginia with Virginia being a developmental program trying to find those types of guys even are doing even, even, an even better job of locating those types of guys with the one-time transfer rule in, in place. But, yeah, skilled guy. I think there is a question of if he's going to be able to – how much he could contribute next year. But, you know, it sounds like he's got some good tools to work with and, you know, good height, good size to him. And, again, some good basketball feel uh, to be kind of a guy – like a combo four type of guy, like a three-four – I say DeAndre Hunter. He's, he's not DeAndre Hunter, but a guy who can do multiple things and perhaps you know defend multiple positions.
0: The ongoing chase for DeAndre Hunter, right? <laughs> like this is this is my new favorite thing about the future of Virginia, right? Now everybody that's a combo wing is like hopefully he can be the next DeAndre Hunter. Or they showed me DeAndre Hunter on thumb. They said maybe I could be used like that, or <laughs> and every fan, anybody that's six eight. Hey, he, maybe oh, I see a little bit of DeAndre Hunter in this guy. <laughs> it's like, we we could all hope, right? National we, Defensive Player of the Year, and like
2: <laughs> the reason I the reason I mentioned that is because I think the coaches, which wisely, when he's a number four pick, you show him like Bobby Clinton Clintman, who we mentioned, the guy out of Sweden who's in the class of 2022. Hey, you know we can use you like the number four pick who just was drafted. <laughs> so uh yeah that's the coaches are definitely doing that wisely as as i mentioned with the nfl oh, yeah. group, it's good to get those guys drafted so you can kind of say say hey this is what happened for them the it, potential could be there so.
0: it absolutely helps with the recruiting no question about it and when you can say x amount of guys have had career highs this year in the nba that helps you too you know J- jeff you said igor i always think of outcast do you remember what album that little outtake was from Oh, man. Igor, we've
1: done it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's from the Akumani album. I had to just yeah, look it up. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, we're not doing uh, music at the end, but I had to Going tie way it. way back.
1: Yeah, there we go. I like to
0: sneak it in yeah. when I can. That's one I like to listen to just straight through all the time
1: Yeah, uh, when I listen one.
0: to it versus picking songs from it. But yeah, it, necessary pickup, right? he He's a combo Ford, which is something that's needed. If you want to call him a small Ford, go for it. If you want to call him a potential stretch Ford, Go for it, <laughs> but he kind of fits in that combo Ford mold in my mind. Um, a guy that's a little bit of wing that could be a little bit more than that, and they needed another one of those guys on the roster as soon as possible, right? So whether he contributes immediately or not is not known. And some of that will be based on what happens with Trey Murphy III and what happens with Cody Statman. Is he healthy? Is, you know, what's his development continue to be like, but you do need another guy in that mold on the roster because it looks like Murphy's gone. I, I, at this point, I'm operating under the assumption that he's going to stay in the draft. And then I think he's likely going to get picked and then, you know, best, best luck to him. That actually helps Virginia. I think he played two years at rice and I don't think was on a single draft radar, at least in terms of mock drafts or anything like that. And then one year later, he's being talked about as maybe a late first round guy by a few CBS mock draft type of thing. So if he goes and stays and gets drafted, that's all good for Virginia, even though it hurts in the short term, for the immediate roster, which is why you needed another guy of this mold, good three point percentage for a small sample size. But if you look at the big sample size, it's not something that has been a great three point shooter long term yet but he's young and most of the fan posts that have have watched the clips you know it looks like he has a good stroke now there's a a link out there on youtube to a full game so once i see that i'll have my opinion but yeah a a necessary pickup
1: very good and uh talk about the performance center upgrade there's a, a video out now i guess showing folks a little uh inside information on the developments there Right, so in the, in the John Paul Jones Arena, I know fans don't get
0: to walk around the bottom concourse very much like we do as media. So behind Virginia's bench, where, where they sit, the concourse behind there, the weight room, if you're facing that outer wall, was to the left. And then right beside it was the visitor's locker room. So last year, they started preparing to expand that performance center. So they took what was the courtside club and turned it into the visitor's locker room, which is behind kind of the horseshoe area of of the lower bowl. They turned that into the visitor's locker room, tore down the visitor's locker room wall, and connected the performance center, basically the entire length or two-thirds of the length of that corridor behind the benches in the JPJ. So if you kind of can look x-ray vision behind the two, two benches when you're sitting in the JPJ, basically from the visitor's bench side all the way to about halfway down the Virginia Virginia bench side is now the Performance Center. <laughs> and it is a video out from Virginia Sports with, with Mike Curtis talking about it. He's obviously the d- director of, of the, the performance part of Tony Bennett's program and a former Virginia player himself who works for the Grizzlies and others in the NBA. So a huge part of everything here at Virginia. And now he has something at his disposal. And we were just laughing about Igor, you know, <laughs> the we have done it at the Frankenstein Lab. Well, he called it a lab not just a performance center because they've got stop motion cameras on a lot of the equipment. They've got the ability to film from up high, from down low, they can slow everything down in terms of orthopedic, you know, strides and, and gait and and all that kind of stuff. Technology wise, a lot of the sensors, there are sensors built into certain parts of the floor under certain areas that tell you how much is it strain is it putting on them? You know, how much exertion is happening here. So this is high tech in addition to just, Hey, we, we threw some more weights in here. It's not bad at all. And in fact, coach Curtis is very functional strength oriented. So yes, they do lift weights, but a lot of it is also a lot of band work, a lot of flexibility work, a lot of functional strength work built in. And then the recovery side is something we don't ever talk about, but they've got sleep pods that we're already in. And now it looks like they've added flotation pods, like those uh, kind of salt float things. Yeah. they It's the real deal and significant for recruiting, but significant for development too. You could already sell guys on, Hey, jay huff showed up at this and left as this with mike curtis and now he's got this lab to to help you with so yeah big upgrade uh supported by donors that's how that kind of stuff gets done so yeah pretty pretty cool upgrade that that could be big for the program
2: yeah man i mean as you mentioned recruiting that's kind of that's a huge selling tool i I can't imagine i mean coming in and i mean it looks like uh like a football locker room and i was i was thinking I know, uh, as you mentioned, Chris, uh, Coach Curtis. You know, even in the little video they sent out via Twitter, which is very impressive just in itself, he mentioned that there's no real du- direct cor- correlation with you know <laughs> improving basketball-wise with you know l- weightlifting and things like that. But it looks like a football weight <laughs> center. And I remember back in the championship game, uh, the announcers were talking about the Baylor guards who like lifting weights with the football team and man that's again that's just a super impressive facility that can only uh certainly help with recruiting
1: yeah i'm definitely intrigued by igor as much nba as i've been watching lately these european guys man i'm telling you one of them might win mvp (laughs) i mean they're coming in younger and younger every year it seems like and and just better and better prepared and ready to roll into that uh nba type of game so which one's going to win mvp oh you're who are you talking about? Luca? Uh, you, <laughs> you got might th- get some votes. I think you've got three reasonable choices Giannis, is- Luca, no, Giannis. That's and three. the Joker, Djokovic. Right. Oh. Those might be the top three guys, actually. Yeah, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> All three of those are from overseas. Pretty amazing. And uh, I wanted to give a shout out, guys, to Virginia Baseball. It's been kind of an up and down year for those guys, of course. And they did take two of three from the Hokies most recently. So that's good to see. And I wanted to uh, also mention a guy Alec Bettinger who folks may remember from the uh, 2015 national championship. Who's, uh, he is the eighth Cavalier to make it to the major leagues. He was drafted 10th round selection in 2017. So baseball's on a way different universe timeline. They're starting to get a little bit faster, getting these guys up to the majors, but man, you really, even if you go through a a decent college career, like Alec did, you still got to pay your dues in the minor leagues. And, uh, You make it to the show and then you give up two grand slams in the first two innings you pitch because they put, put you in against the Dodgers. So that, that's not very nice of the Brewers to do that to him. But I was just going to say, I I relate because that's what my high school coach did to me. My junior year, our team was terrible in high school. (laughs) I didn't get to play hardly at all he finally pitches me against the literally the best team in the area and they they just pounded me I got hammered <laughs> so after that I knew my baseball career was pretty much done so <laughs> uh, Daniel Daniel Lynch
0: 2018 draft pick uh, made his debut as well with the Kansas City Royals so two yes. Virginia pitchers getting, awesome. getting a shot in the big leagues this week so that was kind of cool
1: Well, and I thought it was telling that the Dodgers went ahead and kept him in for the third inning, and he actually pitched four innings in the game. So that helped out his ERA a little bit anyway. But uh, Dodgers, man, they are just, I think they average about 10 runs a game uh, these days. But we will continue on with my end rant uh, related to the NFL draft and a couple of other items next here on the Saber.com podcast.
3: The Front Porch is a
1: nonprofit roots music organization and we uh, connect everyone
3: through music. I like the way that the Front Porch encourages people to, to sort
1: of engage with their community and sort of enlarge the community. Everybody is included and that's really what the word community is about. You know, making sure that everybody has their chance to have a good time and, and
0: participate
1: and add something.
0: All right, welcome back to the Saber.com podcast. Editor Chris Wright in the driver's seat for our final segment. We originally called this Turning the Tables to play on the turntable music world, Uh, but we've been mixing it up and letting Jeff rant lately. So if you thought the relief pitcher part of the last segment was his rant, you are wrong. (laughs) (laughs) He's got something else to rant about. I don't know what his his soliloquy, I still can't say it, says, but... It, it doesn't mention Hassis Dubois, let me go ahead and say this. Ooh. Like the whole coronavirus thing last year, he didn't even get a shot at minicamps or whatever. What yep. Just notice to NFL teams, at least put him in your camp. He catches everything. If at the very least, having him on the practice squad so that the defensive backs have to deal with it is worth it. So this yeah. is my my second year in a row PSA for Mr. Hassis Dubois to at least get a chance because he does yeah. catch everything. but it is nfl draft related so i I do know that uh you have some thoughts on yo why didn't charles snowden get drafted (laughs) yeah exactly
1: exactly i'm glad you mentioned dubois too because it it is amazing sometimes you know where we see these players close up you know for a whole year and there's people making a whole lot of money that are supposed to be looking at guys like that and and they just don't make it for whatever reason but um yeah, so the, the three who's, and, and you know, some of this we've already talked about a little bit, but the, uh, the three who's we hoped would get picked in the NFL draft didn't end up hearing their names called, but it was good to see Snowden to the Bears, Amos to the Lions, and Paul Jan to the Ravens as free agents. I checked the other day, and among the top six NBA playoff seeds right now, there are three Dukies and three who's. The Nets, Joe Harris was the second round selection, as was the Sixers' Mike Scott. And Mamadi Diakite, of course, went undrafted, but just signed a contract with the Bucks after stellar play in the G League. But the fact remains, UVA hasn't had an NFL first-rounder since 2009. Tech had two this year, and a total of four drafted overall from a 5-6 and six team. My Missouri Tigers were like UVA, 5-5, five and five, but they managed to have five players picked in the draft. One would think this plays some kind of role, hard to quantify how much, in recruiting. At least ESPN draft guru Mel Kuyper got a UVA mention in at one point during the first-round quarterback frenzy. He reminded everybody that the Patriots actually picked UVA safety Antoine Harris with the 187th pick in the 2000 draft before selecting some guy named Brady in that same sixth round with pick 199. Harris would go on to win three Super Bowls with Brady and New England, by the way. Football is not basketball, obviously. One or two players can change a team's fortune in college or The NBA, while you need a lot more guys even with a stellar quarterback as we saw in the Super Bowl this year to get the job done, at the higher levels of football anyway, but it's not draft type or where you start the process, it's where you finish that counts, right? Although looking back on all-time draft bust lists recently and then all-time great quarterbacks like Dan Fouts and Phillip Rivers and Warren Moon who never made it to a Super Bowl and Dan Marino who only made one and lost. Maybe cashing in on that first round hype really is the Super Bowl of life these days. Even Aaron Rodgers, for all the recent news about his desire to get out of Green Bay, and yes, he does have a Super Bowl ring, but that was the only Super Bowl he's ever been to, and that was 10 years ago. As for this past weekend, you know, I I wish the guys would wear uniform numbers. I wish the spring game was an actual game. I wish we had more first round picks. I wish two key guys wouldn't have had season ending injuries in the spring. But hey, you don't get everything you wish for unless you win the lottery of life and get to be a first round pro sports pick. (laughs) A famous coach once said, you play to win the game. Sometimes I wonder whether it's first round players or college programs. If you play to win the draft and one final music note to tie it all together, it's like that helmet album from the nineties. That was an eagerly anticipated major label debut. That might've been a critical and sales disappointment, but the band didn't mind too much taking that $1 million advance check to the bank. (laughs) That was a big controversy in my college radio days it was like helmet got a million dollars to sign to a major label what a bunch of sellouts but here we are that was the 90s and uh a little bit different times now so that's my take on things that's about all i could think to rant about
0: the, this week the interesting part of that there was we do news link uh, where we link Virginia articles. So we bounce around to the different websites. So including the Washington Post, which sometimes has Virginia content, but yeah. the head, the headline for the Sally Jenkins column, which I didn't read, but NFL teams put all the resources toward finding a quarterback and then guess, <laughs> <laughs> right? So there's a lot of that kind of to the NFL draft. So if I would add yeah. to your rant, I would just say this. We hear over and over and over from scouts and coaches and the Uh, it's all about the film the film doesn't lie the film shows the film if the film matters as much as it says as they say it does they need to learn not to get so spooked by certain things 40 times bench reps you know injury in the case of Bryce Hall like if it's an injury that you can project is one that typically heals well don't be so spooked trust the film you know I think Bronco Mendenhall falls into that category even though I haven't heard him say that directly he did say like Every year I'm perplexed in the draft where certain people go, right? So I'm I'm sure when the Snowden thing happened Saturday night, Mendenhall was probably like, boy, that's puzzling. (laughs) Yes, he's injured, but the tape shows it. he's a versatile guy. He he can do a lot of things. Uh, It's worth the risk. Now the bears love him apparently and feel like, they, they get a steal. They get an undrafted free agent that doesn't cost you the same as a fourth round pickwood or a sixth round yes.
1: pickwood. So that's, that's definitely part of it. <laughs> but yeah,
0: tr- trust, trust that film. That's my rant. The, the film Hold does not. not
1: lie. And the PTI guys on ESPN were saying the other day, like leading into the draft, how, you know, their expectation was, you know, some of these guys who played this past year, as opposed to some of the better players that had opted out because of COVID It's like, well, you're going to have more tape on that guy. So if it's close, you're going to pick the guy that played last year over the guy who sat out. Well, then when it came time for draft day, first round, I think a quarter, you know, like 25% of those first round guys were guys who had opted out of last year. So they're picking talent. It is interesting sometimes how it all shakes down, right? Green Bay, man, they've got some issues.
0: Yeah, that's just off-season fodder, all that Green Bay talk. Spring game behind us, NBA draft uh, will be next with the NFL draft behind us. So that comes up in the summer. In the meantime, we will start looking big picture wise at some some things for both football and basketball as we move ahead with the podcast. If you have ideas for the podcast, shoot me an email, post it on the message board. Is there any topic you want us to tackle in the football and basketball realm? Then let us know. In the meantime, subscribe, tell your friends, listen to it a second time and uh, go who's.